0: I don't know what my voice is gonna do. Okay, I'm gonna try my best. I might sound like I'm in puberty. Okay, but trust me, I, I'm past that. Okay, so I just want to refer to this one more time because what you guys are seeing there is not a Google image of a church. Okay, that is our space. Go there today. Go to the second floor and be like, "Wow, what in the world happened to our church?" It's, it's striking, you know. Um, and basically, I, I, I do want to uh, clarify two things. So. Every Saturday, we have a special prayer um, that includes the entire family. We started it last Saturday. It was an amazing time. I mean, the children, I, I don't know who the youngest was, but children, the mom, they're all there, and just, it was amazing, and I can't wait to go back to it. I was so sick, and I was singing, and I, I was worse than this. I was like, how oh, great is our God, but people were worshiping. You know, it doesn't matter, but also, there's free breakfast, but I got to tell you, it's not only on Saturday, but every day. Starting last Wednesday, starting last Monday, they've been meeting in that chapel in English so that you don't have an excuse anymore. Pastor, I can't come to early morning because they do it in Korean. No, you come. If you you can't wake up, be there at 530 and do the most important thing of focusing on God and looking and seeking his face. Amen? So I wanted to make that clear. I have a sense that perhaps after this, Pastor Nathan, the youth group have uh, dedicated the next 40 days of this Lent, To do this, what a a challenge they have. So encourage them. If you see David and Joy with dark uh, dark circles under their eyes, you know why. It's because, uh, you know, they've dedicated this. But I pray that prayer becomes the central part of everyone's life. Amen. All right. So I'll see you there this Saturday. I'll see you there tomorrow if you guys are are there. Uh, But I'm so happy that as we're in this Lent season, we get to uh, discuss and talk about the Ten Commandments. Uh, and I want to start today by explaining three things we need to understand about the law. Uh, when God gave the Israelites the law, through whom now the entire world knows what are God's laws. In fact, thank you for John mentioning that even the Ten Commandments are the basis of what morality is, even for the secular world For as it has been. God is the objective view on what is true. He is the objective person, objective uh, a view on what is right and wrong. Uh, and so, but before I go into the actual Ten Commandments, I want to just give you a brief uh, 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 understanding on what the law ex- exactly is. And the law has three purposes, and you guys can, can write this down if you guys want. But the first one is this. The law is good. Can you repeat that with me? The law is good. Because the law is simply a re- revelation, it is a reflection of who God is. The law shows us God's goodness and his order. When you look at the law and you realize every part of the law, you will re- you will agree that is good. I am so glad that God said, do not kill. Because the next time you try doing that, or, or that's done to you, you realize, oh my gosh, this is straight from hell. This is the anti-good that we experience Pain comes from lawlessness. When we break the law, we experience pain in this life. Everything that is dark and hateful in this life is a result of people not living according to God's laws. So the law shows God's goodness to us. I mean, imagine if one day God decided, you know, right now he, he set a law. All the way, all the universe, even gravity itself. God said it. Who set the motion? Uh, uh, who decided how big the Earth is going to be, and how fast it's going to rotate, and how fast it's going to rotate around the sun at just the angle so that we don't all get become fried chicken or all become frozen tuna? But imagine if God just said, you know, one day, uh, I just he wakes up and says, you know what, you know, change the speed. Today, let's just go half speed. <laughs> you will experience. It, it, it would be chaos. Basically, everything, I forgot the exact number, but it's something like crazy speed that the earth, where right now you're not still, you're moving at, anybody know here? Any scientists? You can quickly Google it at like 400, 450,000 like miles per hour or something like that. And if God just decides to put the brake on, everything will go flying in the, in the direction straight out. So we understand that God's law is pure, God's law is good. God's law tells us what he is like. And everything in the law that you see is beautiful. That's the first thing that the the law does is it is good and it reveals God's goodness. Now, what is the second thing God's God's law does? God's law hurts. (laughs) Because he is good and we're not. And basically, the problem with the law for people is that God is good. God's law is good. We're so glad that God created the universe and he put it in, the, in our DNA to do certain things. I'm so glad that God gave me a DNA that even though harmful bacteria came into my body, it was fighting it. I saw it every morning, like every like few hours, something big and green was continually coming out of my mouth. And I'm like, God, thank you for creating a law within me that fights this stuff. But then the law hurts because we have decided long time ago to say, God, We don't want you. We don't need you. Thank you for giving, creating me in your image, but I got this. Life, I'll take care of it. I will take care of my own business. I'll take care of my own family. You can just be, do what you do. You do you, I do me, okay? And at that moment, we lost the power. We disconnected ourselves from the source of goodness. And basically, the Bible says not one is good. No one is righteous. So even the law is beautiful, Whenever the law is around us, we continually feel it burdensome because it's revealing our sinful nature again and again. Let me explain it this way. Many of you guys drove here to church. There is a law called speed limit, and it's good. <clears throat> it really is. But it really hurts when you break it or someone breaks it and you become the speed bump that gets in the way of their uh, excessive speeding. The law exists. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Speed limit. we thank God for reasonable people who realize certain speeds at certain places are not right. And you don't feel it, but when you break the law, you feel it because you, you transgressed that law. Or even gravity. Gravity is such an important thing. If gravity decides to change one day, aren't you thankful that God is faithful? He never changes. He keeps his word. When he said, gravity, you will be this much power, it was and will never change. But imagine, we, a gravity, the law ex- exists right now, but we feel it when we break something, when we get out of balance and we fall down. Then we're like, wow, that really hurts. So never get it wrong. Law, God is good, right? But when God who showed us the law, it hurts because we're the ones who are broken. So finally, what does the law do for us? The law prepares the way. God's law prepares the way for what? the revelation of our need for the Messiah. God's plan, as I'm going to show you as we walk through the commandment, was never to give us the law and leave us with it. His goal was to give us the law so that through the law, you would draw not away but closer to the one and Jesus would show himself to you and he would fulfill the law so that the law will not hurt you anymore but the law will empower you he wants to take what seemed like bitter and, 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 and difficult in life to make it sweet and to make it beautiful in your life. That's what God wants to do. But you cannot handle the law on your own. You need Jesus Christ to help you walk through this. It says in Romans chapter 10, verse 4, I share this truth before I go into the Ten Commandments so that there will be no condemnation for you guys as we walk through this. He says, Christ is the end of the law. So that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Not for everyone who does right. Not even for everyone who who obeys what the law says. But no, 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 no. You have become his righteousness. You may be righteousness. That there may be righteous. You may be already standing above the law. And Christ, that's what he does for you. He's the one. As it says in Romans 8. I'm not showing it, but I'll read it to you. For what the law was powerless to do. Because it was weakened by the flesh. That's what Romans 8 says. It says the law was supposed to bring us back to God. It was supposed to get us connected to God so that we could live in beauty. We could live in love. We could live in wisdom, power, wealth, and, 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 and ruling this world instead of being ruled by it. But then when we disconnected, the law was given to try to bring us back. But it couldn't do it. Why? Because our sin was what was continually breaking the power of that law. And making it hurt us instead of making it empowering us. So what did God do? God did what for the law could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. Jesus said, I'll take care of that. Let the punishment and the wrath of God for all the law breaking of all humanity be placed on me. Let the arrow, let that nuclear bomb be pressed right into me. Let it destroy me that no one who believes in me will ever be under the law and be in condemnation forever. Isn't that amazing? So now, when you, it's like when you fall, it's like you glide. It's like now when you speed limit, the, the police is praising God. You can't, no, okay, that, that, that's another discussion to have later. But here it is. For the law was given by Moses but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So before I jump into Ten Commandments, I want to remind us that when we read the law, it's no longer, oh, I'm such a failure, but it's, wow, Jesus, thank you that you made me able to become just like you, even when I don't deserve it. So here we go, the Ten Commandments. I'm going to give you guys the first two. Uh, I cannot do one uh, a Sunday because we have six Sundays in the... Easter season, and I want to end this before Easter so that to get it. So we'll do two, 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 one, two, two, like that. But, you know, again, the Ten Commandments, I want us to understand in the context of what, what, uh, why this was given, uh, it was an introduction to who God was. I don't know if you guys remember this story, but back then there was a man named Moses, and he was important because the people of Israel that started with Abraham, remember Abraham said, God said to Abraham, Leave your country, come with me to the land, I'll show you, and I'll make you a blessing, and you'll be a blessing to all the nations. Anyone that comes against you, I'll come against them. Anyone who blesses you, I'll bless. And that, that still stands. That's the, that's the, how do I say, the true heart of God is to say, I'm calling you to follow me. So after Abram did that, you understand the story of Jacob uh, and, and Esau. And then how he had 12 children, Isaac, sorry, I I skipped Isaac, and then the Jacob and the 12 sons, and Joseph, you know all that story, fast-forwarding. But then here was a problem. Joseph and the 12 brothers ended up in Egypt because, remember that time, Joseph, who they tried to kill and sell, becomes number number two in the world. And he, by the grace of God, becomes the savior of the world. Literally, the entire world was in seven-year famine, but he knew that was coming through the dream. And so the people of Israel, they stay there and they thrive. Do you know how many years? For 400 years. So after 400 years of not really knowing their history, because imagine what any country would be in 400 years. That's a long time for you to try to keep your history together. I mean, how old is America? It's like 200 something. But imagine, where would we be in 200 years? Like, I don't even want to think. Like, like, it would be like crazy. But that's what happened to the people. And these people who did not know of God, all of a sudden, God never forgot. And he said, I'm going to rescue them. Why? Because at that time, they were made slaves. The Pharaoh, they turned on them. They were favorable, but then eventually, just like any earthly master, any worldly power, it eventually makes you a slave. And God said, Moses, let my people go. And he and does. The Ten Commandments happen, the Ten Plagues happen, and Pharaoh bows down and says, Okay, your God is real. Let the Israelites go. But here's the problem. They go to the wilderness, and now you have more than a million people following this one man who's saying that there's a God named Yahweh, and he had made a promise to your forefathers about 500 years ago, and he's going to keep his faithfulness because God is faithful. He never changes, and he wants you to trust him. And the people are like, who? And so finally they get to a point where they say, you know what? God is like. Hey, those are my children, Moses, and this is how we're going to do it. We're going to come together and we're going to make an agreement. I'm going to teach this young nation, think about it as a little baby, as an infant. Exodus was literally like a birth of a new nation. A brand new infant, they have no idea what's even left or right. They don't even know. But then the Lord says, I'm going to raise them. Even though these children don't recognize me as father, even though they will never thank me, I love them. They're mine. I'm not going dis- to abandon them. I'm going to raise them. And so the law was given. You know, these days, uh, as I raise kids, uh, I realize so much. God is taking me to school, teaching me the, real, the truth of God's word and the truth of humanity and the meaning of life. I don't know if for many of you guys who did raise kids, if that was so meaningful for you. But for me, it's been life-changing. And recently, uh, a new struggle has come to my family uh, with my son, Hael. He's just turned three, and these days, there's a trouble that we're having is that he's not eating. Uh, can I have a show of hands who are like, yep, I know what you mean. Right around uh, being three, three years old, can he, any parents? Is it just my son? Okay, thank you. Thank you for being, yep, yeah, okay, okay. John, were your kids? No, they were, no problem, eating? Good, good, yeah. My, my son once was, You just put anything in his mouth, he will eat it. But after he started going to preschool, I think he has some kind of a stress right now. He just won't eat. And so if you guys see him later, he'll be very skinny. Some people say, oh, you're handsome now because he lost a lot of weight. Um, but these days, there's a huge struggle. He doesn't want to eat. And part of the reason is because he has tasted chocolate. He has tasted snacks. He knows what cookie is. He knows what chips is. So even though he says, I don't, I'm hungry, I'm, I'm full, I'm full, full. You know, when the snack come out, it's like, you know, um, but here's the thing. We as parents obviously know better. That If you live your life on chocolates and snacks, you're going to die. Amen. How many of you parents here think that you know better than your, your children? I just want to ask uh, Sharon, do you know better or does Eileen and, and uh, uh, Ellie know better? Because they're a little older, but let's talk about let's just keep it under five years old, right? Because <laughs> eventually you're right, they they grow and you know they become you know peers, right? Okay, uh, Martha. Oh, she's right there. I won't ask. But, okay. No, I know yeah, you're yeah, awesome. of course. That's what I'm getting at. Parents, we cannot be saying a little kid is uh, your master, even though that's the w- 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 way I live, and my wife always tells me that's not how you do it. Any other parents? Um, Jeremy. does thou knowest better than? your sons? Or do they know better than you? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being honest. It is true. There is a natural thing that the reason why God allows you to have kid is God wants you to understand his heart for your children. Your kids have to learn and grow. Just because he says, I don't want to eat, I can't tell him, oh, that's fine. Don't eat. That would be a cruel thing. So recently my wife, like, Uh, One time, like, very recently, like, said, fine, you're not eating, and just took the food away, and then he got so hungry, he experienced hunger, and there was a, he was crying, he was like, I am hungry, like, he finally realized the law is you eat to live, and to be strong so you can play, and watch TV, and eat snack, but when you break the law, it hurts, and you die, and so the same thing happened to these Israelites that had no idea who God was, who had no idea why they were born, who had no idea about covenant faithfulness, and God says, I'm willing to teach them. I'm willing to change their diapers. I'm willing to let them vomit on me, and I'm going to love them. And he gives them the Ten Commandments to say, this is what goodness is. And then the people said, we'll do it. They said, anything you tell us, God, we'll do it. Because they've just seen God's miracle and finally they came to a point saying, you know what, we'll give it a shot. If you say you're God and if you say you're our Father, we'll give it a shot. But here's a problem that happens. In uh, I'm going to go through. Yeah, so this is God's word for these brand new people that have come. This is, you know, God trying to help these children understand that they need God to show them how to do what's right in this world or like any other people who have no God in their life will suffer. So he says, you yourself have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me and fully keep my covenant, again, what he's asking them to do is to do good. He's not asking them, go and kill for me, go and steal for me, go and worship idols and go and do crazy things, go and her people, as everyone else is doing, he's saying, my ways are different in the world. I want to teach you. Follow me. Then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom, of priests and a holy nation. God is saying, I'm going to give all that I am to you, and you will be in my possession, and you will be my treasure. God of the universe is going to say, I care about you, and you are mine. And then he says, when the people saw the thunder and the lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain smoke, they trembled with fear and they stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us or we will die. So a couple things happened in this first time as the people, as God brings out this proposition that, hey, you guys are just born. If you will follow me, I will make you into the greatest nation. And I'm gonna fulfill my promise to your great, 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 great father Abraham. I'm gonna bless you, make your name great, and all the nations will be blessed because of you. The world will become like my kingdom of peace, righteousness, instead of greed and abuse, and darkness and war and hatred and pandemics and messed up families all around the world. Isn't that amazing? But here's a problem. The law was good, the law was given but they misunderstood who the lawgiver was. (sighs) This is why they failed. I'm going to read that again. It says, when this was happening, the thunder, lightning, and trumpet sound, and the smoke, and it says the mountain was shaking. Because look, this is what happened. God, in order to bring the law to him, he had to come himself, and wherever he was, He walked in the fullness of glory that man could not contain, and so he had to hide himself. And the only thing available around was cloud of smoke, fire, and wind, and lightning, and darkness. And he had to descend on this mountain where Moses, the chosen one, could come and listen to God and tell the people, this is who our God is. But as this was happening, instead of the people wanting to draw closer to God, they stayed at a distance. As I was reading this passage and thinking about this dynamic again, I realized this is exactly what's happening. It's something like this. God is the father, okay? Israel is the children, okay, of that father. But since birth, they were separated. And this children from day one did nothing but evil, was, was making all kinds of problems, all kinds of trouble with the law. But then the father never let go of the children and said, you know what, I want to make things right with you. And what they did was they called together a friend, and it was a mutual friend called Moses. So Moses, you know, stands between the father and the children who are having this argument, and he's able to relay messages going back and forth because even the father saying to the children, come home, the children are saying, no, 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 I like the way we are. Eventually, Moses has to become a lawyer and bring out the terms, and then finally, the people agreed. But it was never God's, God's intent to have someone mediate. He wanted his children with him. But then look what he says. So Moses, who has seen God face to face, he's saying, don't be afraid. God has come to test you. He's saying, listen to me. I've seen God, and he is good. He showed me his glory. I, I speak to him face to face, even though I didn't see his entire face. I saw him walk in front of me, and he said, I am the Lord, I am the Lord, the uh, the Lord, the the Lord God. Oh gosh, I'm 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 messing this. Sorry, guys. You guys know what I'm talking about. When 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 Moses says, "God, I cannot speak on your behalf. You're gonna show me who you are. Show me your glory," and the Lord walks in front of him and says, "The Lord, the Lord, loving." Somebody bail me out. Okay, I'm gonna do that again next time. But basically, he says, "I am good, and I am loving kindness, and I am slow to anger." and merciful and Moses says this is who God is and he says but guys this whole fire all of this stuff is because God knows how sinful you are and how easy you are to leave him and be destroyed by your own sins he wants you to learn fear just like all of us the first thing we try to teach our kids is that I am the parent I know and I'm here for your best but you're gonna have to listen to me because we know that the kid has great potential, but it's not there yet. And unless the, per- the kid listens to me, the kid will literally die. If the kid decides to run across the street instead of getting off his bike, he will die. If he stops eating, and I just let him, and without the fear of God, without fearing the parent, will die in the same way this was the heart of the father saying, come close to me. But this is how the law ends. After he gave the Ten Commandments, it says the people remained at a distance. Wow, Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. As I speak about the Ten Commandments, I want to share why this is important. The law was good, but the law, again, was never to be given to you so you on your own can learn how to accomplish it. The law was an invitation for you to come and meet the lawgiver. The law was just a temporary revelation until they could come and meet God himself. And thank God that you and I have done that. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It's not two different persons. It was never the smokes and the the anger and the fear. It was always about meeting your Father and understanding how good and wonderful He is. It's just like, and I'll give an example. Many of us have uh, had experience of trying to assemble something uh, really complicated, maybe something really expensive, something really... New something really uh, important for you. Uh, I don't know, but many of us, you know, we let's say we we take the manual, and sometimes it can be frustrating, you know. But let's imagine there's a ten thousand page, you know, manual, and this is the most important thing important thing for your life. If you don't put this together, your whole life falls apart. While you're given that assignment, that everything hangs hangs in the balance, as you're trying to do it, and you're doing it again, you're on page (coughs) seven hundred. And you go back to page one, and you do it all over again, and it doesn't work, and you're sweating, and you're losing time, and you're frustrated. The one who made the device and the manual is standing right there saying, hey, would you like some help? Would you like to get to know uh, how it all works? And something within you says, no, I got this. Don't come near me. That's exactly what the Israelites experienced. But Jesus wants us to, through the law say, God, I want to know more. Wow, I spent 10 years trying to get that one page right. How did you do it? Here, tools, show me, Father. Teach me how to do this law. You know, in the Old Testament, many people fail this. They try to do the law, but they never change their heart. But those who look beyond the law and look into God, just like David said, David said, teach me your ways. He didn't say, tell me what to do and I'll do it, and I'll live my life, just bless me, but said, no, 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 I want to know you. I want to know who you are. I want to look into who you are. And God says, here I am. That has never been any different. God didn't put the law as a, as a wall in front of humanity and say, try, try to come. No, this was an introduction of who he is, and he expected, he wanted them to say, God, we love you. We come closer. I hope that makes sense to you guys as we come to Discover what the Ten Commandments of the Law is again in your life. It's an invitation for God to say, let me teach you how to make good in your life. Let me teach you what good relationship is. Let me teach you what good business is. Let me teach you what a good life is. And those of you who say, yes, the Lord will fulfill the law in your life. You're not here to do the law. You're here to let it be fulfilled, given to you as a gift. Here it is. Jesus explains this heart very well. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. That's been the thousands of years of heart cry of God to all humanity. Come, come. No, no, obey, like open your heart. We want to come and be with you. But the Israelites, they got the law. They said, okay, you stay over there. We're afraid of you. And the farther they went, the farther from the power of grace that they were. You know, before I, I, I bring this close by introducing the two things, um, last week I talked about how the, the, the man who was uh, forgiven $10 billion, uh, you know, failed to forgive someone who, someone who owed him 14000 And, in fact, everything he was forgiven was charged to him. And he spent eternity in hell. And how grace that we receive from God is something we have to continue living out. You know how I realized? The Lord helped me to see this. That man, the reason why he failed to live in the lawful way, in the good way that God wanted him, is because he was not with God. If he decided, if, 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 if he was forgiven 10 billion, I realized what he should have done is not go back into the world on his own. He should have said, Master, teach me. I am so amazed. How did you do this? Teach me to become like you. Show me your heart. And if he went with his father to learn and he saw the guy that was $14,000 in debt to him, with him, he would have been different. He would not have turned to his flesh and said, pay me or, or, or you die and then lose all of his life. Friends, the law is about being with God, coming closer to him. So here it is. I'm going to close this in two minutes for all of us. I had, to, I had to share that because otherwise you will take the law wrong and it will do the wrong thing in your life. Instead of it becoming a beautiful thing, drawing you to God, it will become just like the Israelites. Stay away from me. Just tell me what to do. I'll be here on Sunday. I'll just give you an hour, but that's enough. I don't want to get close. So here it is. Commandment number one. You shall have no other gods before me. Number two. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. Ah, For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents, the third and fourth generation, those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. So number one is this. You shall have there's only one God. And number two, you shall not bow down to any image or anything any person whatever is created you are not to make that your god it's pretty much the same thing redundancy in this but why is it important that god says there is one god and you shall not bow down to any other form of anything and make another god is god being like insecure is he saying that hey hey hey, hey, i'm the only one okay everything else don't don't worship don't don't do it the Bible says that the law is good for you. This is why the Lord wants you to have one God and have no idols in your life. This is why God is the only one who can make you free. When God, the creator God, Jesus Christ, becomes your God, what happens is now you are free. Sin does not have its its, its tentacles, the power. <coughs> power of the law of sin and death even death loses its power against you when you make jesus your lord it is for your good to have one god because any other thing that becomes god unlike jesus christ who makes you free if you could sum up the entire gospel in one word it's freedom jesus christ came to give you freedom that you lost because when he created you you were not his servant you were not his uh, underling. You were not his slave. You were his equal. You were created in him. As the Bible says, we're co-heirs with Christ through what Christ has done. He wanted you to rule with him. But any time that he's not your God and you give your life to any other influence in your life, you become uh, slaves unlike what God wants to do. Let me say that again. God, the one true God, wants to make you free. 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 In the, in the, in the fullest of that word, you are free. You can decide, think, and dream, and do whatever you want. That's the life God gives when he's your God. But anytime some, someone else, anytime something else, mainly money and possessions and, and, and pleasures in this world, becomes your God and something you devote and worship your life to, as you bow down, what happens is that becomes your master. And every other God, apart from God, wants to make you a slave. So you get to choose, live as free by saying Jesus is Lord and only his way goes or give yourself to something far inferior and say, I will live as a slave, controlled and limited and become under the curse, under the power of of Satan as Jesus Christ named. Friends, God explains why this is true. In this passage, you see this, that the way that sin works is the sin will be punished, not just in your life, but you who were created to create an everlasting influence. Think about it. When God created each one, every one of you, whether you're a sinner or not, he created you to have an everlasting influence. So whatever you do right now, it's going to make an everlasting impact, eternal impact. And you could do that for good or for eternity. You know what? Hell is not a place God sends. Hell is a place you create that you walk into if God is not your Lord. Very simple. Either kingdom of God is what you create every day because you're never meant to die. Everything you do right now, everything you invest is for the kingdom or it is for hell. There's no other choice. When God is your God, you are an impact for kingdom. When, when something else, someone else is God in your life, you're creating another thing. Isn't it amazing that God says sin's power goes to third or fourth generation, but God's love for those who say God, Jesus is my Lord to a 1,000 generations. So already God has a plan to overcome what the enemy has done. But I want to close with this. One of the craziest, uh, uh, I guess, um, experience of, of realizing this is so true is at one time I was uh, ministering to a church member. Uh, and this person was crying because this person was saying, Pastor, I can't stop it. But I, I just can't stop stealing. You know, like, that's a problem. I just, and the person was saying, I remember when I was little, I remember this one time. I, I didn't want to steal it, but I steal that thing. And then that was really heavy on this person. And I was like, hmm, I understand. I see this happening, you know, and we prayed and whatever. But then lo and behold, that sin, right, again, when God is your Lord and you live your life, you're free. Sin, is, sin and death is not an issue in your life if God is your number one. But whenever you have many other idols, which is very easy, Honestly, all of us have so many idols. We're so easily tempted to look to the side. We love God, but then just as we love God so passionately, we could love something else or someone else so passionately. We do it all the time, right? But it's amazing that God, the blood of Christ, continues to forgive us. And God says, "It's okay. Learn from me. Learn from me. He gives you a chance." But anyways, what I realize is this: that person was a daughter of someone very influential in the community, and. It turns out that this, the, their parents were, for like three decades, really influential in this one, one organization. And they were doing so much good, right? But then, guess what happened? Near the end of that 30 years that I've known them, uh, the, the mom uh, did something that was uh, sketchy. Basically, was stealing something. It involved some property. And then the whole legacy of their entire family for 30 years just collapsed. And then that's when I realized that's what that. you didn't get. That's okay. That's what sin does. When you have sin, you have the power to create it, not just for yourself. The problem of us dealing with sin is not just you, but it's the people under you. It's the people around you. Sin spreads. Either you let sin spread, and your slavery becomes a communal thing, or you become free, and everyone around you becomes free. And so this person that that was a crying. I I didn't know it at the time, but that was a person crying and saying there is a power in their life that has dominated them that Christ has not broken through. I'm sad to say that was actually a pastor. They were one of the most reverenced pastors. If the, you know, but then the wife, um, she fell into temptation, and then some property, something's happened, and literally the church is split, and just crazy things happened. Amazing thing is God still redeemed it, and he still made good out of it for the sake of the world. But those, that family today has fallen to a place because they decided to let something in their life become their God and not Jesus Christ himself. So again, when the Lord says, there you shall not have no other God before me and you shall not have any idol in your life, it's not because God is jealous in the sense of this world. What God is saying is he's jealous in the sense that I want you to live in my reality. I, don't, I, am, I, am, I, am, I am hurting. I am tired of seeing you being sold out to something that, is not, something that is not for your good. And so I pray that as we go through this Lent season, the Lord will deal with your heart, first of all, making sure in your own heart, who is the Lord of my life? Who gets to decide what happens in my life? And I pray that, every, that the Lord will, in this Lent season, begin to reveal to you the idols that were controlling you that you didn't even know, the masters in your life, the gods in your life that you didn't even know were controlling you. You thought Jesus was the Lord your entire time, but God, let God show us, truly show us the idols that are still making us slaves. And I pray that the Lord will deliver you, make you free from the power of sin once and for all in your life. Let's pray together. God, I thank you that you want nothing but good. Help us today to trust you like never before. To know that I found my home in Jesus Christ. This is where I belong. And I thank you, Lord, that we do not have to carry out the weight of the law on our own. We cannot. We cannot support it. We cannot uphold it, God. But thank you that you have already upheld it through Jesus Christ. Right now, I receive. Lord, we want to receive The blood of Christ again that says to us, it is finished. That says to us, you are not condemned. That says to us, you are righteous. Help us to hear this and let us run to the Father. Let us run deeper into who you are. Help us is our prayer. Help me, teach me to fulfill the law as Jesus did. Reveal to us our idols Reveal to us our gods who are our masters. Let there be one master in our life. In Jesus' name.